Assalamu alaikum and welcome to the second episode of Muslims of the Melting Pot. Total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States. Because it's the That's only it. religion that acts like the mafia. They're not immigrants. They're, they're invaders. Let they're not immigrants. This clash of civilizations. And if they're not going to learn to assimilate, I don't want to in this country. But hold up. That's not really who we are. Perhaps the American melting pot model is not an accurate depiction of the true Muslim American experience. And perhaps the goal is not to mix. But if it isn't, then what really is? To assimilate or not to assimilate? That's the question. I'm your host, Sarah Salimi, and you are watching Muslims of the Melting Pot. In this exclusive episode, we are talking to the founder of the Ramadan Suhoor Festival. Besides being a pharmacist, business owner, and entrepreneur, Hassan Shami is most well-known for his role as the organizer and founder of the Ramadan Suhoor Festival in Dearborn, Michigan, where thousands of people come every Ramadan to celebrate the three main pillars of this event, community, unity, and charity. Today, we're talking to Hassan Shami about the festival, the intentions and the story behind it, as well as where it's going in the future. Thank you, Hassan, for joining us and welcome to Muslims of the Melting Pot. I've read into the Ramadan Zuhur Festival. I haven't personally ever attended, but I have seen how big it has become over the years, especially I know in 2019, you guys raised thousands of dollars in charity and you continue to do that every year. Um, you are, I saw you on CBS News, you're becoming pretty big on news. Why did you think that the Ramadan Suhoor Festival or the idea of it that came to grow into something much bigger now, why do you think that was so necessary and how did that idea come to you initially? So it was because we seen that with the vendors popping up, it was an attraction to the youth and the youth was, they were attending all these vendor tents. But to be completely honest with you, what was a little off about it was it wasn't as religious. There was a lack of the Ramadan spirit because everybody was hanging out late nights. They're at the corners of different gas stations, different plazas. There was music being playing. Uh, it was a hangout. Right. And so I said to myself, since the, the, since the youth is so connected to this and we're living in a different time where the youth is, you know, with social media and the way they live their life, the way they've been brought up compared to my generation, the generation above us, it's very different. There's a, some type of a disconnect. Right. And so I said, okay, let's take advantage of this. This is what they like. Let's create a Ramadan Suhoor festival. Instead of music, we play Quran, Duhats, Nasheeds. Uh, we bring, in, instead of being in the residential areas and on main roads, we take it away. So we're at Fairlane Mall. So we have, um, we're away from residential neighborhoods. We're, we're off main roads. Um, and then, you know, we said, okay, what's the, what's the most we can get out of this? Okay, charity. You know, let's focus on charity. The Ramadan is the month of giving. So we, so yeah, so we do raffles for ziyara, for umrah, for hajj, gave us scholarships. Last year we gave over $200,000 to charity. So it was more about seeing what was very attractive to the community and then how do we make it more Islamic and how do we innovate, you know, and keep this very festive. And then with the, with so many people being attracted to it, like even like we had Good Morning America fly out last year from LA and all the media putting Ramadan and Islam in this beautiful image, right? Right. We we're consistently thinking of ways to introduce our culture and our religion to people of other faiths in the best of way to invite them and say, this is not only a Muslim event, you know, you're more than welcome to come, come enjoy, come enjoy the food, you know, break bread with us. And you'll see that, like, I have so many photos from last year where there were individuals mesmerized by the Quran, you know, non-Muslims just sitting there listening to the Quran. Yeah, you know? So it was, sure. it, was a, it was a beautiful thing. 
Yeah. And I've seen videos and content from it. And I would argue for me personally, I had never seen something similar done anywhere else in the United States. I think the Sword Festival is probably the only place where something similar happens. And one thing that really, you know, gravitated me toward the idea was how necessary it is for Muslims to have something to call their own that really brings out Muslim pride and helps them be unapologetically themselves when it comes to practicing their faith. So yeah, and if you know me, I'm very unapologetic. Right. I'm very respectful when I come to promoting my religion. I'm very respectful, but um, I'm very unapologetic. I love. I'm very prideful in Islam, and I love. And I love to showcase it in the best of ways. Right. And I really think the Suhoor Festival is one of the best ways that could be done. I know for this podcast, especially, we're really looking for those things that speak to Muslim identity. And since I think the Suhoor Festival is one of those very unique ones, I'm curious to know what was the initial feedback you got from the Muslim community when this started, and as it started growing, how did that feedback and the support or criticism, if any, how did it, you know, come about? All right, I'm going to be brutally honest, okay? Right. Very amazing feedback and a very loud minority with negative feedback. Yeah, so I'm, I'm so, curious to know what, since the, the negative minority tends to have, you know, the, the dramatic aspect to it, what, what has that been? Why, why was there any negative feedback toward it? There are people who just see things through their own lens and like to be negative in life and always try to find the black dot on the white paper and are always finding a way to complain. Right. You know, and, and that's fine, you know, because this is new. This is different. We know our intentions. We know how hard we work. We know what we're trying to do. We know we don't even make money from this festival. I mean, the vendors make money, but the organizers, we donate everything. And so um, the loud minority was more about saying, oh, we're taking away from Ramadan. I would argue, no, we're not. You know, first of all, uh, we do this after all the mosques are closed for the most part. The programs are over. Right. We do this after prayer. Um, we do this only on the weekends because the weekends are when the youth are always out and about. So if we're going to do it, we're going to do it. When, when is the most, when are most people out? And then how do we capture them and bring them in? We're taking them off the streets. We're taking them away from vendors that are playing music. We're playing Quran, Dua, Nasheeds, all of that. We're bringing that community aspect to it. We're building bridges with people of other faiths. We are um, inviting, you know, Dearborn is predominantly Arab Muslim. Right. I take pride in the fact that we inv we share our resources with all the other Muslims in Metro Detroit who are not Arab Muslim. Yeah. They're non-Arab Muslims, and we invite them to Dearborn and you know showcase what we have here. What we see is the good feedback are the people who come and are just amazed by what we've done, are amazed at how organized it is, are amazed at the, the vibe of the festival. People come who were born in other countries, and they're telling us this is so nostalgic in a way. It reminds me of the suit in, in Lebanon, in Egypt, in Morocco. Right, that's so what I was going to say. They're so, yeah, the yeah, they're so attracted to it. And, and, it's, and it's a beautiful thing because, you know, I had one lady in 2019, and the second year of the festival, she came up to me, my mother, and she goes, she goes, I can't help but just remember when I was a kid in Egypt. She goes, I finally feel this. So there is that lack of um, connection to Ramadan nights in America or in the West compared exactly. to what they have in the Middle East. Yeah. So that's what we're trying to create, you know? And it is a form of our identity and staying close to our cultural roots and, and, and embracing it. So, but no, and, and, and there is a lot more support than, than the naysayers. The naysayers are just loud, you know? You go on social media, it's, it's, they're, they're the loud people, but there's a lot of support. There are so many families that reach out to us, so many communities across the entire country Canada. I got DMs from London, from Australia, saying what you guys are doing is amazing. And now we're seeing them being done in other countries. But I have a lot of Muslim communities in America specifically like asking us, hey, can you help us do this here? 
you know, can exactly. you help us do our masjid, you know? Mm. So maybe the plan one day is to like create a binder and we can walk them through and walk them through exactly how to do things. But this is bigger than just um, Dearborn. This is a unity event. You know, our three pillars are uh, charity, community, and unity. You know, it's a place to give exactly. charity. It's a place to unite non-Arab Muslims and Arab Muslims, Shias and Sunnis, Muslims and people of other faiths. Uh, it's a place to bring the community together. Um, throughout the year, when we watch videos on, on, on social media about the Ramadan Suhoor Festival and what we did, we get this feeling like we dismiss that community, you know, that, exactly. that feeling of community where everyone is, everyone is together. So I know uh, your partner was mind-blown. You know, she comes from Toronto, right? And so she yep. was there and she's like, man, this is amazing. She goes, we don't have this in Toronto. Exactly. So I think it's a beautiful thing. I think there's a lot of barakah in it. And the growth we have year after year, to me, is a testament that God is blessing this festival. Absolutely. And I think what you mentioned about how a lot of people feel a sense of connection to those roots, that's something that, and I had this conversation in our previous episode, that we're missing a lot of in the West. Really, that's why I said Dearborn, the fact that you were able to pull this off and the fact that it's gotten so much support and that, you know, it's growing over the years, especially for the younger generation. You have three kids yourself. There are a lot of parents who are sensing that need for something, whether it's a festival, anything that really is able to create a sense of pride toward religious and cultural exercise of our identities. And that's something that's largely missing. I'm curious to know, especially with the festival, I know there's, you know, the Quran, there's charities and fundraisers and vendors. What are specifically some of the highlights of how one night at the Ramadan Suhoor Festival looks like? One night at the Ramadan Suhoor Festival. Um, come in, you got festive lights everywhere, you got a beautiful entrance, you know, with the, with the moons and all the lights, and you just see thousands of people. And you got 80 businesses working, you know, and you just got... It's crazy. So for me, because I'm the organizer, I'm all over the place, right? So right. when I walk in, I'm running from place to place. I'm on stage. I'm helping this vendor. I'm helping the volunteers. I'm with the, with the police. And then at the end of the night, I sit there and I try to recollect my thoughts. Like, man, what just happened tonight? And it's not until I watch the videos that everything starts to, you know, it's it's like, I start to remember what's going on. Yeah. But what you see at the Ramadan Suhoor Festival, you're going to see a lot of, you're going to see a lot of families. You're going to see a lot of people walking around enjoying good food, listening to Quran. It's a very chill, calm vibe. You know, as thousands of people come but it's mind-blowing to see how calm and soothing it is. That's what, you know, that's what it's going to feel. You're going to feel a sense of community. You're going to feel a sense of unity. You're going to feel of... Um, it's funny, when I went to Hajj in 2018, it didn't matter if I was Lebanese and this guy's Palestinian, this guy's Pakistan. Everybody was Muslim. And there's so many people there saying, listen, when I come here, it doesn't matter what we are. I feel like we're just all celebrating Ramadan together. You exactly. know, and that's, and that's, one, that's one of the things that we're pushing. And like you said, you mentioned the, the children. The American culture and the Islamic culture doesn't really mix right. So, like, there's a reason why the youth are so in love with, like, say, Christmas and wintertime and the lights and festivities, right? Exactly. We can say in, in Arab countries and Muslim countries, there is festivity during Ramadan, right? But you don't have that connection here. No. So, with the Ramadan Suhoor Festival, parents are taking their children, and now their children are connecting to something bigger because you can't expect the child to connect to spirituality, right? Exactly. They want to connect to something fun and festive. Food has to what be involved. It? It's one of the fastest yeah, right? ways to get them to come. Yeah, and then like these, these children were writing me letters. You know, they're coming up to me and, hey, Amo, I wrote you this letter. Thank you for the best Ramadan ever. I can't wait to fast next year. And uh -huh. so parents are doing like a reward system. Like if you fast, you know, you're a first-time faster. If you fast three days this week, you know, for the youth, 
um, we'll take it to the Ramadan Sur Festival. So it's like a reward system, you know. And now I see kids throughout the year and they tell me, hey, you're the one that did the Sur Festival. We can't wait to Ramadan. Oh my God, Ramadan is so fun. They're connecting to something. And as they age and they mature and they get closer to their religion and they start to understand, understand spirituality, that connection means something else, right? Exactly. But for, for youth, they have to have that, that form of connection that we don't really have here in the West. Absolutely. And you mentioned Christmas and holidays like Christmas, Halloween, all of that, that have become so commercialized in, in Western society. To a certain extent, it's become all about money, but it's succeeded in making people super excited about a holiday that they might not even identify with religiously. And, you know, the Suhoor Festival is probably the only example I've seen where you have so much of that happiness and pride celebrating something so intrinsic to the Muslim faith. And I think that's one of the reasons why youth, like you said, are so happy and gravitated towards such an idea. I know even in mosques and gatherings where youth come together, sometimes that doesn't cut it because we've associated that Ramadan vibe with lectures and purely just religious things which are amazing the month is all about spirituality but when you add an element of community and unity and charity which are the pillars of what you guys do i think it adds an element of i'm actually looking forward to this on so many different levels and that's i think the uniqueness where when you bring community together and obviously food unites people like none other it's really a combination of all these different elements of spirituality and community and togetherness that are making this so special i'm also curious to know how, what has the feedback been from the non-muslim community or non-muslims who have attended the festival have you gotten feedback from them as well they love it i mean they, there's so many non-muslims that come this year they're sending there's a, a christian university reached out to me from indiana and they're teaming up with different Christian universities in Michigan and Ohio, and, and the students want to come. They heard about it. They, they, you know, they're so excited to come and understand this. And and the Christian, uh, one of the leaders that I was talking to, was saying, "Listen, for our youth, you know, they have conservative values, and they're realizing that with this day and age, with what's going on in society, that you know, people of other faiths who follow the religion have conservative values too. So they're trying to introduce them, these Christian youth, to hear, hear the Muslims. You know, hear, this is this is their faith. They're very conservative and whatnot, and so." They want to build bridges with us. And so, and many people in the neighborhood, like even my own neighbors say, this is amazing. Like what you've done, this is, we've never seen something like this. You know, I feel so welcome there. And that's part of being a Muslim. You know, you welcome people, you know, you're good to your neighbors, you invite them in. And you mentioned something about Christmas being commercialized. The biggest struggle or the biggest test for us is to make sure the Sword Festival never becomes commercialized. Right. You know, and, and so people might say, oh, this is becoming commercialized. You're trying to monetize. No, no, no. We're, we're finding a balance. Nothing is perfect. Exactly. You know, people are going, in order for this to be a big event and festive, people are going to need to make money because you have hundreds of people involved in, in producing food and serving food and whatnot. But then it's our job as the organizers and the committee to be like, listen, here are the rules. Here's the code of conduct. So we charge a cover charge. Why? We make it a private event. Right. When it's a private event, legally, I can put my own rules. Exactly. If you don't follow these rules, you're not welcome. Mm -hmm. The code of conduct is no provocative dressing because it's a family atmosphere. No swearing, no music, no alcohol, no smoking, no weapon, all these things, you know? And so you're controlling that energy. Right. We control the type of music that's on there. So we might be playing the sheets that's very subtle and smooth. It's soothing. We're playing Quran. So our whole thing is like, okay, we're doing this thing. We're attracting so many people, but we do have a responsibility to never commercialize this. Absolutely. To make sure that year after year, we continue to infuse the Islamic spirit because this is Ramadan. Exactly. And I have a responsibility, you know, in front of God, like, hey, this is what I did during Ramadan, but this is what my intentions were. But beyond my intentions, here's the mistakes I made or here's the criticism I got and here's how we adapted. Mm -hmm. So we're very conscious of that. 
And I have a, like a behind closed doors. I have like an Islamic committee where I ask them questions. Can we do this? Mm -hmm. Is this permissible? Is this not permissible? We're constantly seeking guidance because it's not worth doing something this big. If there is some type of, you know, doubt on, can we do this? Is it haram? Is it halal? You know? Mm -hmm. So that's our, that's our struggle behind closed doors. But alhamdulillah, we haven't really gotten, gotten any no's from any of the scholars that we talk to. They say, what you guys are doing is great. This takes place all over the, um, all over the world and you're introducing it to Dearborn and continue to go continue to go on with it absolutely and I think one of the reasons scholars as well see how much value there is to this is because Islam itself is a communal religion it celebrates togetherness it celebrates coming together to learn to celebrate and I think um, that's one of the reasons and I'm going to ask you after this that this festival has become so successful because it's not commercialized. So usually it's the other way around. We see commercialized events as successful because they're generating the most money, they're getting the most noise, they include elements of provocation sometimes. And I think that's something that a lot of times society is looking for because it has all the drama and all the you know hype. But I think sometimes, and in our faith too, when you do something for real spiritual purposes that are rooted in pure intentions and really going after not the commercial aspect, but the spiritual and community aspect, it starts to show its effects and its fruits in a much different way. So I want to know from the Suhoor Festival, what are some of those fruits that you guys have seen come out of the festival for the community and for the larger ummah? There's, there's so many in different ways. And you nailed it. Look, it's the pure intentions, right? This has been successful because our intentions are so pure. The hand-selected few individuals that are on the committee all have the same intention. They're all devoting their time for something bigger than themselves. Like, it's... What we've seen, just, just seeing how, how organized... How, like, when you're dealing with tens of thousands of people within three hours, this is insane. This is... So many people in such a short amount of time, but seeing how smooth it is, is because our intentions are so pure and we are exactly. putting our faith in God. There's only so much we can control, but we're trying our best and God's letting it become successful. Mm -hmm. What we see is the Islamic vendors who are coming in year after year. There was a lady last year who's doing a hijab workshop. So many young girls put on the hijab because of that. And that wasn't even in the beginning of the Ramadan Surah Festival. We weren't even thinking about that, but it happened naturally. Now we got uh, we have a Palestinian exhibit this year of a group who did this entire thing about Palestine that are coming that they reached out to us. Wow. We've seen so many people come in that are non-Muslim or that that are, that are reverts actually said I finally feel a sense of belonging. You know, I'm a revert. I don't know the community too much, but the Ramadan's Hood Festival is a place where I feel like I belong. Exactly. So there's so many blessings that come across the board and being able to have a platform to like God is blessing us with this platform that we can do charity. Exactly. So. Rather than having a fundraising dinner, and I'm not, I'm not saying fundraising dinners are bad. You know, some organizations need to do it that way. But the fact that like-minded, and it's very tough to find hardworking, pure-intended, like-minded individuals. But like-minded individuals came together with the same cause and created a, some type of business that would generate funds for charity is the biggest blessing. You know, there's no better feeling than giving. You know, it's, it's, it's nice to receive, but there's more satisfaction, like there's more soul fulfillment when you give. And so that's the blessings we see with the Ramadan Sahur Festival. That's really nice. You mentioned hijab, actually, and it reminded me of another theme related to identity with raising kids and youth in the West is a lot of times many parents, as well as youth themselves, struggle, for example, putting on the hijab or, you know, doing things a part of the faith, practicing their religion, because there isn't a space where it's so openly celebrated. And so that confidence and that ability to really 
practice that faith becomes harder when you don't have a place where you see so many like-minded people doing it openly. So I think when you mentioned, you know, hijab, and I'm sure um, you have a lot of other people who are excited to bring in those identity related factors into the festival. Where do you see some of these youth, especially? Do you see that positive impact in them already? Or do you think it's going to take a long time before something like the festival or other initiatives can start showing the, you know, positive effects? Look, you talked about identity. So I want to touch on that real quick. Mm -hmm. Born and raised in Dearborn, many people in Dearborn never had an identity crisis the way other Muslims have in different communities. Why? Because we never felt like a minority. Absolutely. Right? But when the people come in from other communities, when Muslims come in and they express to us how grateful they are for a festival like this, you start to understand like they aren't raised in a community that has many Muslims. Mm -hmm. This is a huge benefit to them, you know? Absolutely. So to us, we might take it for granted, but I always remind all of our vendors, because most of them are from Dearborn, almost all of them are from Dearborn, that what you see here is not what other people have. So pay attention, be observant, you know, talk, you know, engage in conversation with our attendees because what, because there's so many that come from out of Dearborn that come in and say, this is not what we have. This is mind blowing. This is amazing. You guys are so lucky, you know, so we should never take it for granted. But with the youth, my focus on the youth is this directly. I'm focused on the vendors. Mm -hmm. To me, it's a mentorship program. It's not just a festival as a businessman. Um, I like to be a mentor to all these vendors, teaching them how to become entrepreneurs, but most importantly, teaching them about the ethics of business, being ethical when applying competition, being supportive and not, being, not, not competing. So my direct influence is on the vendors, and then I hope that with me influencing the vendors and the vendors influencing their friends, and the message we're spreading out the Ramadan Sword Festival, that slowly affects the community, but that takes time, and I see it happening. But like recently, I gave a message out to the vendors saying, you know, it's in the contract that you need to uh, post once a week for another vendor on your business page. We are a community of support, not a community of competition. Why? Because a, we, we have to come to the understanding, we have to fully accept that there's enough pie for everybody to eat, okay? And competition is good, it's healthy, it keeps you creative, it keeps you on your toes. You know, once you become complacent, that's when failure comes. You need to always be on your toes as a businessman. But you should never look at competition as if someone's coming to take your wealth because your rizit is written for you. Absolutely. Muslims need to understand this is a blessing that God gave us, that your rizit is written for you. The only thing that can affect your rizit is the deeds you commit, your good and bad deeds. They can increase or decrease your rizit a little. But to think that somebody opened up across the street and he's going to take business from you, God will never, never give away your rizit. So knowing that, that should be reassurance of you just working on your craft and being supportive of other businesses. So what I always try to tell them is, listen, we are a community of support. We are a giant. Dearborn is a powerhouse. And we only will continue to grow when we empower everybody, inspire everybody around us. When, you, when you're successful, I'm successful. You don't want to take someone down for your success. You want to lift people up. And so that's my direct influence on, on the youth. That's really interesting that, that you say that. And I think that's probably another element that makes the festival unique is usually we hear this concept of competition in business being all about me. And, you know, this individualistic sense of identity that you could argue is, is pretty rampant in, in America itself, as well as the West, is I'm only successful if I can take others down at the expense of anything and I just have to rise. It's like I have to rise after, you know, one business after another, one income after another. I think what you mentioned is actually unique and I surprisingly haven't heard a lot of that, especially among, you know, Muslim initiatives where there's such an open encouragement for competition in a healthy and an Islamic way that's kind of rooted in building each other up. 
And I think that's really important because we also hear, for example, if, you know, in society, all these Muslims are coming and taking our jobs or they're coming and taking, you know, our money. And it's something we have to fight for. We have to be worried about. But I think to have a group that's setting an example for the opposite way, which is so necessary in a thriving community oriented society, that's that's kind of a breath of fresh air. You got to change the business culture. Absolutely. You have to change it because as a businessman, I'm I'm in between generations. Right. So I'm 34. I see what the generation above us, do, above me does. I'm not, and I, and I tell them to uh, some, a lot of respectful businessmen that I have uh, relationships with, I'm not a fan of the way they think. I'm not a fan of being a shark, being cutthroat, you know, going after business. You must be very, um, very ethical with the way you apply competition. You know, competition is good. Absolutely. But be very ethical in how you apply it. Mm-hmm. Islam is such a beautiful religion. If people actually understood it from, from business to spirituality, to, you know, it's, it's a communal religion. Look, there's an individualistic and a communal aspect to Islam. Exactly. Individually, it's your spirituality between you and God. Mm-hmm. The way, you know, the way you pray, your nearness to God. But it's huge on being communal, right? Supporting everybody around you, being good, having good akhlaq, you know, lifting everybody up, not mm-hmm. gossiping, not creating fitna. That is about, you know, protecting the brothers, your brothers and sisters in your community. And we spread this message throughout the Ramadan Suhoor Festival. And even like these small details with the Ramadan Suhoor Festival that's so Islamic is at the end of the night, and this is all in the contract, mm-hmm. at the end of the night, all the vendors have to stand on a straight line. We pass out garbage bags and we do a street sweep because Islamically, you have to be clean, right? Why should we hire people to come clean when we, all working together at the festival, can do it? And literally, it takes us two minutes to clean 100,000 square feet because we're, we're all doing it together as a team. And so the first night or the second night, they used to look at me like I was like, why is this guy being so tough on us? And then throughout the month, they're like, man, we can't, this is fun. You know, everyone's running around, they're cleaning and it's spotless. And I tell them, look, in 88 seconds, we cleaned this entire festival and you did it by yourself with your hands. There's ejid in that, you know? So there's all these little details we have. Or at 12 midnight, it's in the contract. You have to stop selling because Quran is being recited live on stage. And what you got to do is tell your, whoever's standing in line, I'm sorry, it's midnight. We have to listen to Quran for 10 minutes, so I can't take your order right now, but you can continue to wait in line. Yeah. And then the whole festival is listening to the Quran. We have all these small details in the contract, and we have to enforce it in the contract to make sure they listen, but slowly all the vendors start to buy in. They realize like that I said, there's once, so much more value in, in seeing it that way. 100%. And I always tell them, it's cliche, but you know how they say, like, be the change you want to see in the world, right? That's so nice. And I think really those important key points are in the details. A lot of times it's like, oh, we're most successful if we have this huge turnout and it looks great on the outside. But really when most of the work and the attention goes to those details where everything from, you know, cleaning up after ourselves and being silent when the Quran is being recited, it really highlights what you said about how you have a personal aspect to that growth where I hold myself as an individual accountable before God, but also communally I'm responsible. I'm compassionate. I'm thinking about other people. I'm grateful. And that's really important. I think just to close off, I really want to know every time I visit Dearborn, it's exactly what you say. There's such an overwhelming and great Muslim population where you do automatically going in, you feel that sense of pride because you see so many people like you. So I would say, do you see the Ramadan Suhoor Festival kind of expanding beyond Dearborn? Or would you like to kind of keep it local and help others do similar things where they live? In a way, there's both. There's two aspects to it. Um, 
I like Dearborn being a hub because we're the halal capital. We're the capital of like, you know, per square mile, the most Muslims that live around there. You know, everybody in the, around the country looks at Dearborn. All the Muslim communities know Dearborn. Exactly. So I take pride in that as setting an example of we're a Muslim community. This is what we do. So if there's a way we can help other communities, and I would like to brand it under the Ramadan Suhoor Festival for one specific reason. Regardless of what your ethnicity is, what your sect is, whatever it is, it's Ramadan and it's a unity project. Absolutely. And we all work together. So one day I picture us getting on a Zoom call with the leaders of different communities and we're all working together, you know, and that, that, that's a beautiful thing. Absolutely. And I think that's, I would say, if we had more of the Ramadan Sewer Festival in different parts of the United States, Canada, the West, I think it would really play a really important role in helping with that Muslim identity factor, which is why I think really comes at the core of what you're doing is really celebrating Muslim identity through community, through unity, through charity, which are really huge tenets and foundations of our faith and who we are as Muslims. Thank you so much for being a guest on this episode. I really am glad that you were able to make it. And inshallah, one day we will see the Ramadan Sewer Festival in many, many different parts of- I heard you're coming this year though. Is that true? Inshallah, why not? I think I'm sold. You definitely convinced me that it's, you know, something I definitely have to attend. Inshallah, I will be there. Maybe TMJ will do an exclusive, um, you know, piece (laughs) on the Suhoor Festival, kind of, you know, do interviews, talk to people, really help with that spirit of Ramadan. Um, And inshallah, you will have many, many successes for years to come. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you all for joining us on this exclusive second episode of Muslims of the Melting Pot. We hope you enjoyed the conversation and we look forward to having you join for future ones. Salaamu Alaikum.